welcome to Book to Screen Club, a Ghibli edition, my Yay. favorite type of edition. <laughs> it is I, Nora Goldberg, and Lauren O'Farrell, and we are some hardcore Studio Ghibli fans. <laughs> and we are covering all the Studio Ghibli uh, book adaptations, which most of them are ac- actually are book adaptations versus originals, which makes for a lot of watching and reading for us. And this is definitely reinforcing our love of Studio Ghibli. And, and, and of books in general. A lot of discovering new books and authors, which is quite fun. Exactly, which is lovely. Though so I, I do feel slightly grumbly about the fact that there are a few that have not been translated to English. And unless both you and I learn Japanese quite quickly, <laughs> I don't think we're going to get to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just have to kind of like influence them by talking about them everywhere until they do um, the other ones. Come on. Yeah, I was, someone was talking about, and I haven't actually seen it only yesterday, which is supposed to be really good. And that's based off a, a really beautiful manga. It's a one shot and it's only been translated to Spanish. Oh, okay. Do we know anyone Spanish? <laughs> Probably. I don't know if I could just, mm. oh, you know, you know the Google like translate like photo app? Yeah. So you can like ho- hover it over and yeah. translate it. Though I think that would be a pretty exhausting way to read a it book. Would. It really would. And also like it, it would be rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you Google translate anything, it, it really doesn't sound like a real person. So no, I think it takes a lot of work to actually properly translate it. But um, yeah. fingers crossed that new ones come out. You never know. Yes. Well, we did Kiki's Delivery Service, which had come out with the translation like 20 or 30 years ago, and then they yeah. retranslated to yeah, new editions exactly. very recently, yeah. which helped prompt us to be able to read it, which is very good. So come on, Kiki's Delivery Service. Everyone yeah. loves yeah. that. So there should be more. There should be more. So now I feel like we're cheating a little bit today because we're doing Pocoroso, <laughs> and it is based off of a very, very, very short manga that Hayao Miyazaki wrote and then adapted himself yeah. and directed himself. <laughs> so, but there is like, you know, a setting to do this because there are plenty of instances where authors adapt their own material for films. Yeah. The instances that I've done for the podcast is I've done Ian McEwen's On Tuzzle Beat, which definitely uh-huh. felt and then also The Old Guard by Greg Rucka, which was a great adaptation. The only difference is that they didn't direct their own adaptation, which Hayao Miyazaki is doing in it. Um, so it's not, it's just, it's such a, such a short <laughs> story. Yeah, but, but then it's, you know, like, he, clearly something grew from it. Yeah. But, you know, like, it was, it, the comic is almost like the seed of the huge yeah. thing that comes afterwards. So um, yeah. I think there's a good link there between the book and the screen. Your, what is your relationship with the film slash comic prior to doing this? Because I definitely hadn't seen it before. Oh, I don't know why I never I watched no it. I had no idea the comic existed until we yeah. did this. Um, and I had no idea that um, that he did the comic as well. Yeah. So I was well impressed. Because I'm like, you know, we know he can draw. He, you know, we know that he can tell stories. Um, but it's it's absolutely delightful to see him do a com- comic, especially the way, you know, the way he does, because it's so Miyazaki. But um, it's a comic. How exciting! So yeah, I hadn't hadn't um, didn't know it existed, and the film I'd seen, 
but I didn't, it didn't stick in my brain really. Mm. Um, yeah, probably because it's, um, it's got a boy as the main character. <laughs> but he's um, not, remember he says he's not a man. He's a pig. Yeah, he's a pig. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, I, um, but yeah, definitely felt like I, I almost was like watching it anew, watching it for this, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, n- new comic entirely. And then like watching with new eyes, because I must have seen it like way back in the day when I fell into the like, Ghibli rabbit hole and I was like okay let's just watch them all um but yeah it, it didn't stick um but this time it has yeah we'll definitely <laughs> well we'll talk about that this isn't actually meant to be a kids film so I think this makes yeah. a difference watching this yeah. as an adult than yeah. if we were watching this as a kid I don't know if I would be interested in it in the same way if I watched it when I was watching My Neighbor Totoro so did you watch it have you had you seen it when you were younger I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I was aware of it, but I don't think I ever watched it because it just wasn't in when like Totoro and Kitty came out. I just don't think it was in circulation. Like there was no, no way I really would have gotten yeah. it to watch. Um, so, and then I think just as an adult, it, I don't know why it didn't seem like I would enjoy it, but. Well, I mean, it's, it's about planes and, and fighter pilots. So I, it yeah. wasn't really in my area of interest. And I'd say it was hard to get hold of. I think I watched it. Basically, I went to Australia and I bought um, a load of uh, all the Ghibli films in one go. So I, I saw it then. So I don't think it was easy to find on video or anything. You're right. So it wouldn't have been like that available, I don't think. It's only 15 pages. So for anyone who's daunted by the idea of reading <laughs> and so it's not really a proper published comic. No. So you, you can Google it very easily and anyone who wants to read it, you just Google Porco Rosso comic and you can find um, like a scanillation translation, which yeah. just means that a fan has kind of translated themselves. Yeah. It's basically the whole thing is, is online in, um, yeah. in just yeah JPEGs, I think. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if it's in, because there is like a Pocoroso art book, and I don't know if it's in that potentially, maybe right. in that book. Um, but I it definitely has been published in like collections of yeah. Hayao Miyazaki's work. So it was originally serialized in 1990 as a three-part story in the monthly model graphic, and eventually published in Hayao Miyazaki's Daydream Notebook. Okay. But be- And before that, though, the initial short short story was inspired by an essay an illustrated essay that he did called Tohoto no Deban which is the age of gun Tourette okay and he created that in the 80s wow and I have I couldn't find out I, I found kind of images of it and it was a lot of like tanks and like little sort of scribblings around it right so you just had kind of a sketchbook sort of story and the summary of that is <laughs> A former military officer, a pig, has left his command and builds tanks and sets out in search of fun and glory. He kidnaps a young woman with whom he falls in love and tries in vain to seduce her. And then Miyazaki goes on to say, as I continue to work on the story, I thought of a happy ending where the pig's love conquers the girl's heart. (laughs) At first, the latter was supposed to be an ordinary girl, waitress in a road restaurant. But the character changed and she became a singer in a bar like Marilyn Monroe in the river of no return just a little younger and purer 
Um, but then he changed direction and he didn't believe a mature man could fall in love with a young woman he kidnapped and succeed in winning her heart. Um, <laughs> what's the what's the syndrome when you fall in love with your kidnapper Stock though? Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> So we not- a, a story, but you know. Exactly. So the project kind of disappeared, but he, yeah, so that was like the idea of like another story slash film that they were going to do. Okay. <laughs> it's, be- yeah, I'm very glad he did not do that. <laughs> I'm quite pleased. So the comic, it opens on post-World War One era Europe, and you're still feeling the effects of the depression, but also you kind of have looming world war ii so you see like the the europe is about to go into some sort of upheaval and he talks about these former fighter pilots from world war one who are all kind of jobless and miscreants and they've turned to piracy as a way to survive and my first thought was sky pirates (laughs) so cool why are there not more films about Sky pirates. pirates. I know. Through Pirates of the Caribbean. Sky Pirates. So cool. Already so cool. <laughs> we meet a gang of Sky Pirates called the Mammut, which in French is Mammoth, Mammoth which yeah. is kind of makes sense because the way they're drawn in the comic is these kind of boorish men, really hairy yeah. faces. Yeah, they're all very hairy. Yeah. <laughs> They are raiding a ship on the sea, and they take a beautiful young girl as a hostage. So a lot of swashbuckling already. <laughs> and <laughs> we are introduced to Marco Pago. I said Pago, but that might be the French way of saying it. Pago? Um, I think the Italian. Pago. Yeah. He's a pirate hunter, or bounty hunter, kind of. <laughs> and he gets a call to go after the Mamut gang, and he gets on his plane, the Fologo, which means lightning I think is the translation. Yeah it does yeah. And he calls them the, uh, there's some bits of writing and I also think some of the translations are a little bit weird uh, because it's not yeah, it's like properly done. So he calls them a Lolita complex bunch. I wrote that down as well. <laughs> like, what? I think they mean panty chaser slash like cradle robber yeah i do i think that's what he's getting at is that they they like they go after young girls i mean it's yeah super uncomfortable i did wonder about the translation but i think maybe yeah that's because it, it gets mentioned later on as well yeah so, so i think it's just they couldn't find the right colloquialism to yeah um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of that in japanese culture with like the old the young yeah exactly. that creepiness is definitely there so now there's a lot of airplane sex stuff and there's so definitely much. like a, an aeronautics nerd comic. So I'm yeah. not going to recount all of it. No, but also they're very, they're real planes. Yeah. They're real planes. They're real specs. He really like just he loves them. Yeah. Okay. Well, his dad's um, made airplanes. Like, so mm-hmm. that's where that comes from. But oh my, there's a lot like down to, yeah. There's a part where they show like the bottom of the how the plane is concave at the bottom instead of the normal shape, and he's drawn yeah. the shapes, like <laughs> and you and you know like if you don't care about planes, <laughs> you're a little bit like this is a lot, but but you can see his passion for them like massively. So he, there's a lot of that that he packs that into the story, and yeah. there's these really funny moments of like 
not the fourth wall, but the fourth panel breaking. Oh, so good. Where it's so funny. The writing is so witty. So there's, I wrote down a few of the lines where the pilots are like trying to talk to each other in the air. And then he says, comics, certainly a convenient way, convenient in the days before two-way radio. <laughs> because you wouldn't be able to like shout in the sky yeah. to each other. <laughs> Great. A, he finds that the pirates have flown away and this, with the ship's gold and one of the girls. And then there's this line, because he, he's about to try and find them, and it says, due to a shortage of pages, our hero finds them immediately. <laughs> I look, there's a lot of that where he just kind of like refers to the fact that it's, he hasn't got much room, so he's just <clears> going <throat> to squish it all in. And it's lovely. I, like, I think at one point he says, doesn't he, if this was an animation, I'd be able to do so much more with it. And it's yes, just... I, did, I have that later on. It's crazy. <laughs> So he then shoots at their plane and they try to use the hostage to get him to stop, but she jumps off the plane into the ocean. She's like, screw this. And Mark right, is going yeah. to kill them if they don't leave, but they can keep half the gold. He's being generous. And he picks up the girl and takes her home. And yeah, that's the first part of the story. So that's yeah. just like um, serialized in the magazine. So then... <laughs> Oh my God, I love this. So say hello to Donald Chuck. My God, is he trolling Donald <laughs> Trump? Is this what I'm reading right now? So, I, I thought the same thing. I was flipping <laughs> out. I was like, I suppose it's in the 90s and Donald Trump was a name. Could it be like an American? It, I don't oh, know. I don't know if he's like, known that much about, but he is, I mean, he's, I did think, hmm, Donald Chuck. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. I kind of, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. And he's very like full of himself and, you know, he's privileged incarnate, really, this so, yeah, and then what? Well, and I think it further cements it to his character in the film with the whole Hollywood storyline, which we'll talk about. But <laughs> yeah, could be, could be. So he's our American villain, and Pocaroso is that. So they don't really say they don't use Pocaroso in the first comic. It's introduced in, in the second comic because that's like his nickname, which is yeah. the Crimson Pig, mm. because he looks like he's a pig and his yeah. plane is red. So he's from Geneva and he's a Republican. Which is not the same thing as the American Republican. No. It's just like he's anti-fascist. Yeah. And Donald Chuck shoots down the patrolling air force, and then Pocaroso is at the same time flying to Milan, and he runs into Donald Chuck. Um, but also, there's this amazing panel which comes up in the film where you have this shot. It's such an amazing perspective of him flying, but you're inside the the plane. Yeah the hull of the plane and you're seeing him fly I'm like angling myself in the camera to you but people listening can't see it but I just thought it was such an amazing way to draw someone flying yeah Yeah. and the detail in it as well of like the actual body of the plane and stuff is incredible I like same in the film but that's just like wow you really have to know planes (laughs) to be able to do something like that Um, so when he runs into Donald, Donald uses this opportunity to knock him out of the water. And he, you know, he's quite pissed off about this. And there's this line that says, failure requires no excuses. <laughs> so he's really annoyed at himself for losing against <laughs> Donald. And he get, manages to get picked up by a ship and taken to 
Lake Maggiore or Airplane Alley to get his plane repaired. Yeah. And we meet meet the repairman. So we don't get his name. The no, the we don't. No, I don't think we do. And his granddaughter Theo. And the story ends with them repairing or working on the plane and trying to increase the power of it so he can go up yeah. against Donald. Part three. So Donald Truck is the boss man of the skies, and it's 1929, and he's flitting about, looking very cool. And at the same time, Theo is working with Corco to help improve his plane. Yeah. And once they're finished, he decides to join him, much to his protest. <laughs> and there's some, and then there's some more really cool plane specs that happen, talking about how fancy plane is. That's where the concave and the other bit is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a few, like, skeevy comments about Theo, which I'm not super fan of, but I get he said, I wrote down, he says, bounty bounty hunting isn't the kind of thing a respectable girl does. Yeah. And uh, he also says that I'm still a man, you know, at a certain (laughs) point as well. So he's he's chucking around his masculinity big time in that that particular part. Yeah. And we find out that Yugoslavia, the king of Yugoslavia, has made a deal with pirates take a percentage of everything they steal and which pisses Donald off and they land on an island and where I think they think the pirates are and they run into them and I love at this point he's really like I do not have enough space to draw everything (laughs) and this is where I, I took a screenshot of it it says if this were animation I might be able to convey the grandeur of this life or death battle but this is a comic I have no choice but to rely on your powers of imagination. <laughs> but I really like that. I like that <laughs> kind of like bringing the reader in and saying, you're going to have to do this for me. Yeah. But also he's planting that seed of like, I'd quite like to make this into a, hmm, <laughs> possibly at some point or another. So this met is meant to be the battle of Porco versus Donald. And everyone in the village gathers to watch the battle. Both their planes are both so good, so they can't beat each other. Yeah. So they decide to land, and they have this fist fight in the ocean. <laughs> and I'm just like, dumb men. Men are so dumb. And it takes 23 rounds, but finally, Porco manages to knock out Donald. Right. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, even Miyazaki afterwards in, like, interviews, he says that, that he's like, I like to write stupid stories of planes and tapes and magazines, and yeah. it's really fun. Uh, and I love to make animations like this, but it requires like teamwork, and I can't do stupid stuff <laughs> <laughs> when there's like yeah. other people involved. Because I mean, it definitely, it, there's definitely a, a, a more absurd side to that comic than I've, I've seen in any of his films. Yeah, like like you know, Ghibli films get silly but they don't get that kind of silly. And also there's a real like romantic kind of like pilots in the war kind of feel to it. Um, it's very, very kind of cartoony and shiny um, and quite I like, you know, idealizing the hero rescuing the maiden and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and damsel in distress sort of thing. Yeah, but we're still that little part of, of, you know, like girls can do, girls can do stuff too. But um, yeah, yeah, it's much more about him um, being the the kind of hero, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a, he's a mercenary in it, like it says, he um, he he fights sky pirates um, 
for impoverished nations. And I was like, all right, so it's taking the money of people who haven't got any. <laughs> but I guess they're trying to establish that he doesn't really, he's just out for himself, isn't he? Mm -hmm. That's that's the the pig they're painting. Yeah. Um, and also they never explain why he's a pig and, and no one else is in the comic. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's a storyline in the film about it, but I don't yeah. think, I He's feel like even pig. in the comment, it was not, there was not meant to be a deeper meaning. Yeah. He's just but, a bit of a pig. But he is, he, is a, he is a pig and no one else is. So it's yeah. not like everyone's a different animal or something. I think there is a thing that like Miyazaki says that like it's easier to draw a pig. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to draw a pig than a giraffe or uh, something else. Yeah. So, I mean, I got the easy part, super short, kind of silly. Uh, I mean, it, it's very snappy writing, and uh, and you could tell, you know, he's commissioned to write this, like, really short story about, you know, fighter planes yeah. and, and it's it's whatnot. fun as well. It's really fun. It's fun to read. It's silly. It's very much like you can just dip into it. Um, and proper nerdy as well with its, yeah. like, planes. Mm -hmm. Um, I you know I like looking at it. The drawings of the planes, you can tell how long he spent on them, because they're super detailed. Um, you know, down to and all the little bits and pieces about what kind of engines they have and everything else. Um, doesn't take away from the story really, but um, I think if you're a plane nerd, you would absolutely just fall in love with every single plane on there. Quite yeah. amazing. So, so yeah. that's a comic I would recommend it to people. It, and it's also just like a good uh, example of like short story storytelling if yeah. people are interested in writing comics, kind of, as well as something that has to be sequential in a magazine, but also standalone. Like there is a through line, but each story can be read on its own you don't really have to have read the first one and how to do that within I mean I suppose each comic was like you know five or six pages yeah. in the magazine so I think it's a great example of how to do that really well yeah. I mean there's besides the kind of uh, you know casual sexism in it I think <laughs> it's, it's you know it's pretty perfect as just like absolutely and also it's such a good example of of just Miyazaki telling a story on his own without anyone else being involved from, you know, like from start to finish, that's just, it's him drawing, it's him writing the, you know, the storyline. Um, and that's quite nice to see. He's got more freedom in that than he would have had in any of the films that we've seen because, you know, he's having to collaborate with other people on all of those. So it's like a little insight into how, how his brain works when he yeah. tells stories, which is lovely. And I just, I love that he pokes fun at, um, the fact that it is a comic um, and, you know, like squashing all of those scenes into one and saying, oh, well, there's not enough panels for this. So you just have to do it for me. It's just it's a really nice way of, of kind of saying to the reader, I know you're there on this journey with me. So mm -hmm. you can do a little bit of work as well. That's yeah. a very nice element um, and not something that happens often, I think, in them. Um, you know, you're not sitting in spirited away and you feel like you're part of the storytelling. You're just mm -hmm. watching it. So, yeah, it's good to be able to team up with him. Yeah, Very exactly. briefly. <laughs> You're co-writing it, basically. Mm. So, which brings us to the film. The which film. Do you want to 
lead us on that discussion. I, I guess we have opinions, uh, and then I'll yeah, I mean, along. so you just the basics of the film, um, Porco Rosso, and it's 1992, mm-hmm. um, and it was commissioned um, as a short film for a Japanese airline. So this they- is so <laughs> weird. Just to start off with. So a Japanese airline commissions a film about people trying to shoot each other out of the sky. Yeah. How is that? <laughs> How does that even work? <laughs> and also that, like, it only took, comic came out in the 90s, yeah. 90, and it took us two years to do a feature film? That's yeah. insane! Yeah, it's For a, an animation? Super, super fast one as well. Hand-drawn! Um, yeah. <laughs> So it basically started off as a as a and it was supposed to be dubbed in English as well, the original, because it was on the plane for like lots of people to see. Um and yeah, it ended up turning into this full length extravaganza, which happens a lot with Ghibli films, actually. Mm-hmm. That seems to be an accidental thing that happens. Um and when it came out, it was the most successful film that Ghibli had made to date. So mm-hmm. everyone wanted to watch it. Budget was nine point two million. It's like, crazy. Like a live money. action film does yeah. it. It's, Honestly, it's more expensive than that. Film money just like boggles my mind. It like that's just so much money. Um, no, but, but I, you know, I feel like that's that's uh, not a lot for an animated film. I know, though. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's just a little one. Um and it, it made uh forty four million, like I think around that. So that's not bad. That's quite good profit. Well, I suppose because it's not meant to be a kid film and it's like a little more for everyone. I could kind of see how it'd be more popular. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it was, um, I don't, I can't, I didn't actually look at how many films had been done before it, but I don't think. Well, Totoro had come out before. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, he's, he was finding his feet, I guess, in terms of he hadn't had all of the successes that he would then go to have afterwards. And it still did really well. Um, But the thing, so it basically follows a very similar story to the comic, Um, but but it's just a bigger version of it, I suppose. Um, He's the same pig man. Uh, Everyone else is a person. So, but that's much more of a thing in it because- Oh, can I mention that I love the opening credits with the multilingual yeah really cool i like that was so yeah so when it explains what the kind of context of the film is it um it has it in like seven different languages i think and i looked it up and that's because of the japanese airline because it yeah, did you on the plane yeah. so it had the introduction in all the languages yeah, the so when time. it was released it came out in all of those languages at the same time yeah which maybe goes a long way to, to showing why it was so successful because like so yeah. many people had access to it um yeah. and it's basically are they little mice that walk across the screen and yeah. tell the story <laughs> so it's it's so ghibli like right from the start you're just like well this yeah. is adorable um and it was actually shown in flight on planes before it was shown in the cinema as well so cool so, though yeah i'd love to see like cool. a premiere on an airplane yeah um, and it's one of the only Ghibli films that's set in the real world with a specific setting and mm-hmm. a specific historical kind of context. So as with the comic, it's set just after World War One, um, and when like fascism was kind of on the rise in Italy. So that's like 
uh, and it's set in in Milan um, and on the Adriatic coast. Um, and it's actually specifically set between Dalmatian and then the um, Kvarna Islands. So it is like it's very niche. And I think you can like look on Google Maps and there are actual spots like the one where he's got a little hidey hole where he keeps his boat. And that's a real place. I think so, it was in Croatia. Yeah, is. yeah, that's in Croatia. So, I mean, that's pretty cool as well. That he's Because well, I mean, all the ones that are set in Europe are more like generally yeah. European. Yeah, I mean, we like Kiki was definitely set in a European looking city, but we yeah. didn't know. I mean, we knew. There were like 30 yeah. different languages that we saw in Kiki. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, did you do you read about the fact that because apparently a, a bit of it shifted because then the Yugoslavian war yeah. broke out as he was starting. Yeah. So and I think they set out. They basically they set out to make a very similar film to the comic, and then it, as kind of because the war broke out in Yugoslavia, um, he Miyazaki said um, we felt like the world was getting better bit by bit at the time. So um, when the Yugoslavian ethnic war happened, we were dumbfounded. Were we just going backwards? So there's a real like tone of just like, is, you know, are we standing on the brink of another war and stuff like that in it? Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it that definitely kind of comes across as like, it. it's, I think it's a lot less joyful and optimistic than the comic actually, because yeah. they, there's this shadow over it all of a sudden of things kind mm -hmm. of going in a bird direction. Um, yeah, the possibility of another war. Can you exactly. imagine? Can you imagine living through two wars in your lifetime like that? Yeah. The I, idea that you would have to serve in both. Yeah, for not like especially you know like coming out of that that first one and the world just being in such a like a a place of just like celebration and okay, this is and you thinking it's all going to be okay. And then, uh, like the, I mean, the whole thing with Italy was that they did. They thought they didn't do too well out of the treaty afterwards. And then that's yeah. when fascism started to take over in Italy. So that very much comes across in Porco Rosso, because it's set at a time when fascism was rising. And so you've got like, he says it. He like, Porco Rosso says it. He says, you know, I'm not a fascist. I'm a pig. Like yeah, I'd rather be, be a pig than a fascist. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the story is. Sorry, is, I, I'm detrailing you a little bit. Yeah. So it's pretty much the same in that you know, like he does the the kidnapping happens at the start. He is a mercenary. Um. This time though, it's a bunch of school kids that are kidnapped I instead of a beautiful lady. And um, so many of them look like Ponyo. Like. <laughs> wild liquor and they're going nuts all over this like plane where the kidnappers are picking up things and you know flying out of windows and all sorts so it's kind of lovely and it, it's a definite departure from the comic there it's a good it's, departure yeah it's, it's not like damsel in dis distress and then there was no mention of lolita at any point <laughs> so, yes, very good yeah. um <laughs> so yeah and then similar happens he you know like he goes to the rescue the girls all jump out and swim away. Um, but there's a lot, there's like a, a nice element to it as well. Like there's a point um, near the start where they're trying to fire at him, but there are two little girls popping up with a gun turret at the same time. <laughs> and every time he shoots, he's like, get down so that he can shoot. 
So he's, you know, like, it's not like they're mean kidnappers. In fact, they're very mm. bumbling and inept and silly. Um, but yeah, there's still that like overshadowing war thing in the background. So it's a weird balance actually. Um, but also then there's a love story in it as well, ish. Um, where after that happens, they go to this uh, like bar that's in on a little island. I want to go to an airplane bar. Oh, it looks amazing. And so it's it, it be real. It, it just, it's just, and in the corner, there's all the kind of sky pirates like sitting yeah. there having a giggle and saying, oh, you know, how terrible uh, Porco Rosso is and that they're going to do him in. Um, and then you have uh, the beautiful lady on the stage, um, Gina. Oh, the singing. Okay, we have to talk about the music briefly. Oh, yeah. just the- Oh my God, everything from the beginning, the music, I was listening to Joe Hiyarashi is the composer and I was listening to the soundtrack while I was writing my notes. It is stunning. Everyone should just listen to the soundtrack. Yeah. And and in particular, in the scene in the bar, they had like a a little bit of a research about what she sings, Gina, when she's on stage. So she Mm -hmm. sings um, a song which you probably pronounce better than me. Oh, well, it's a, I, I didn't write it down, but it is like a French, a famous like French uh, protest song, I guess. It's called Tom's the Series, um, and it's by, and it's, uh, yeah. by Jean-Baptiste Clément, and he says, so it sounds like basically it's a song about kind of hopeful times yeah. and how things are going to be better, but it's actually a song written during the Paris Commune um, about what might, life might be like after the revolution. So it's kind of like a changing of time song um, and yeah. it fits so well in the context because it's like it just sounds like a beautiful lounge bar kind of you like know Edith Piaf sort yeah of thing. exactly but then it's got this underlying tone of like ah oh, changes coming and it, basically and it's the same but it's the voiceover person who's doing her voice is yes, singing the song is. yeah and apparently so I, I mean I watched it in Japanese as I always Me do too. you do too but we're going to uh, talk about some of that as well (laughs) um, apparently the the version that um in the american dub isn't as good like it's still okay but um and i haven't watched the american one so it might be lovely i'm I'm gonna there's a point where i'm gonna make a point about the dubbing and why (laughs) no 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 people no 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 (laughs) yeah i mean I, i i saw i watched a couple of um little bits and pieces on youtube of of the american one and well, I mean, I get that Michael Keaton <laughs> is like sexy voice, but the guy who plays his voice, I think, is quite sexy in Japan. Yeah. It's like oh, really well, rough exactly, and gravelly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's so it's Michael Keaton was Porco Rosso. In oh, the and then US, and then Carrie, Carrie, Carrie Elwes, Carrie Yules. I never know. How to say I know it. with an awful Southern accent. So oh. yeah, well, I, I like a, it kind of like dips in and out his accent. <laughs> um, so he was Curtis. I mean, that's it's a definitely weird choice. Apparently Miyazaki said he loved the French dubbing of it and he said they did a really good job. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And it's Jean Renault who does the voice of um, really? Pocoroso, oh, which I'm really interested <laughs> in watching now. I, I like Jean Renault. The thing is, it has a very European feel to it. So yeah. if you if you see any of the bits that have like Michael Keaton, especially in it, um, it just feels, it just doesn't feel right. It gives him a whole yeah. different kind of, it, you know, he feels very kind of like, okay, ma'am, I'm not going to do that. You know, like, going <laughs> off and, and you're just like, oh, that's not, he, the Porco Rosso that comes across in the Japanese version, he feels very broken. 
and bitter. Yeah. And he doesn't have that kind of confidence that Michael Keaton can't help bring and to he's everyone. sad. <laughs> you can see the, like, sadness and how, like, how much self-hatred there yes, is as exactly. well. Yeah, and there's very, I mean, it's very, there's a melancholy, I think, to the film that um, just comes across, even in the funny cool bits, um, mm -hmm. where you just kind of feel like he's, especially when he gets to the bar, so he, he basically, he, he talks to, there's a ceasefire in the bar, so people can't fight each other, so they can, you know, talk to each other, but they're not going to start punching each other's faces in. And it is where he meets, like, Curtis for the first time, and they have that so kind Donald of... Donald like, Curtis in the film. Yeah, they got yeah exactly. So we're going to, like, they, they'll fight at some point or another, but they just a bit of witty wordplay. And then, um, yeah, and then he sits down with Gina, and they have this conversation about people that they lo they've lost, other pilots. So she's lost, um, she says three, three husbands. husbands? Three. Yeah, and she literally just lost the last one not too well, long he, before. He had been missing for two yeah. years so, and yeah, they just found just the body. Found out that he, yeah, they found the body. Um, and then she says like, you're one of the last, you're the last one now. And then they, they go up to this picture on the wall of her, of Gina and a bunch of pilots um, and one of them has his face scribbled out, and that's clearly Borgo Rosso. And then I think that's that's where you just kind of think, oh, okay, so he wasn't, he's not just a pig walking around. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, they never specifically address why he has a pig face. But... So I have, a, I wrote a little thing. I have a, well, I have a few theories about it. So yeah. for this scene specifically, this is yeah. what I got out of it. So they're clearly like in love with each other, Gina yeah. and him. And he pig-headedly <laughs> refuses <laughs> her kind of obvious affection. Like yeah. you can see, he's just kind of closed her off completely because he feels he's unworthy, yeah, I think, he like it doesn't of her, of yeah. love. Yeah. And this is when I kind of, it took me a second, and looking back on the scene, I think this is showing us that his curse, which she, she references, she's like, yeah. I can break it. And, yeah. he and I think that's where him refusing her like yeah. her love by him saying no and I think his curse largely is the idea of survivor's guilt yeah totally totally agree and that yeah. that scene because you talk you see the other men who have all died yeah. and he's the last yeah. one and left he talks he, he talks about her partner like later on especially about how he they were in a battle together and he did not he was unable to save him and so there's definitely that that He's, there's an unwillingness to forgive himself and he doesn't like himself at all there's yeah he he definitely carries that guilt around with him to the point where he's not going to ever let himself be happy and that's yeah I mean that's definitely the pig in him mm -hmm. but it isn't in a fairy tale way it's not like oh a witch put a curse on him or something this is very much self-inflicted yeah he's he's cutting himself out of society he doesn't sit with people in the bar even though they all know him you know and he's he, he she's the only person really that he has a connection with mm -hmm. um everyone else he kind of treats a little bit badly yeah. even the yeah. you know the um engineer later on who mm -hmm. clearly people have an affection for him and clearly the ladies like him oh my god <laughs> i even it was like do i find this, this pig sexy and i tracked it to this pig what's happening there's a woman in the bar who says something to him and he's like, oh, I'll tell you later when we're alone. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, all right then. <laughs> mm. 
insert pork references here because I'm not going to make them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so but that's it is lovely because it's it shows like it shows his human side, I suppose, and and kind of like you say where he where that curse has come from. Sorry, keep going. Um, so yeah, and then from there it kind of goes along similar lines again in in an expanded way to the comics. So you have the same kind of battle where he loses, um, his plane gets smashed up, and then he goes to have it repaired. That's where he meets I can't I don't I don't even know if I wrote down his name, but the engineer. I, I just, then, I, did you notice for yourself that when he went to the bank to get money that they had tiny dinosaurs on the bank net? No. <laughs> That's weird. I'm sorry, I just had to, yes. <laughs> you go back and watch it. The, the money, the currency for the country is like these little dinosaur faces. <laughs> Lovely. I, I, like, it's, yeah, it's definitely like, um, it's set in that world of like a real world, but there's just yeah. definitely elements of, like everyone's fine that he's a pig for a start. And actually, well, okay. the guy who's his um, engineer looks a lot like a mole. Like, he's got big glasses and he's even got whiskers. Well, I think he... Doesn't he refer to himself as a mole, yeah, though, as well? Yeah, but he actually looks like one. So his name is Mr. Piccolo, which is there the name you go. of the oh, yeah, garage. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah, is based on a real place that um, repaired yeah. airplanes as well. Well, everyone's named after, like, real people and real yeah. places and things. Yeah, and I think... a lot that, of, like, references. Yeah, and uh, Porco Rosso's real name is, he's named after Miyazaki's best friend at the time, who yeah. also worked on the film as well. So this yeah. is a real, like, labour of, of, like, love and community. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he goes to have his plane repaired after it's been almost completely destroyed by uh, Curtis. Um, and yeah, he that's where he meets Fio, who's the granddaughter of the... Piccolo, Mr. The, Piccolo. Yeah, Mr. Piccolo. Mole man. <laughs> um, and then this is where it, it kind of like, it, it vaguely refers to this in the comic, but um, when she's done all of the plans that he's grudgingly let her do, there's a whole load of like sexism here from Porco. He's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't trust you because you're, a, she says, do you not like me because I'm a girl or because I'm young? I'm young, yeah. And he says both. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, all right then, mate. <laughs> well, also, but then, like, the, the grandfather rebuts him and says, like, well, you were the same age as her when you started flying planes, so, yeah. you know, get over yeah, yourself. Exactly. Well, that, I mean, she kind of just, like, stands up for herself and says, yeah, this is, how old were you when you started? You were doing solos at whatever yeah. age. I mean, she doesn't, she's really great because she doesn't care that he's yeah. so sexist. And yeah. he is very much like the way that he treats her. You do just kind of like she, yeah. She says, "Is it because I'm a girl or because I'm young?" And he says both actually. But she doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't knock her. She almost yeah. like seems like she wants to prove him wrong even more because he said it. And then when she's designed this amazing aeroplane, and the only thing he has to do his his only feedback is to change the angle of something very slightly. So he clearly yeah. just thinks she's, you know, she knows her stuff. Um, he says, I hope you're not going to build it yourself. And then she isn't because a load of women turn up. <laughs> so uh, I, not a single found, man. It's brilliant. No, I found this, uh, I forget where it was, but in an interview he said, and this this whole section is kind of paralleling yeah. the studio because while he, when he started doing this film, 
they were working on only yesterday in the studio so okay. everyone was busy and it was literally him on his own getting commissioned to do this movie yeah but he didn't have everyone to help him so he proposed could I get all the women to work in the office to help me in the studio which yeah. was apparently like revolutionary so he was the only man and Amazing. the entire animation staff was women working on this movie, which okay. is a which is exactly big deal. Like, yeah, that's so, really and cool. That, yeah. So, so it's like a parallel of what happened in real life, then. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I think maybe like he sees himself as like a combination of being Theo slash being yeah. uh, Rosso because he's kind of this grumpy old man, but at the same time, you know, he's someone who clearly like just works nonstop. Yeah, and and he's you know he's coming from a society that is very much like you know this is I mean especially when you're talking about war and and all that side of things is that you know that's a man's world isn't it complete and engineering and everything else yeah. so um, for them to but then at the same time when the men were away fighting the war the women were doing all of that stuff you know mm-hmm. we know that from you know in England when the and the state happened and yeah and in the states when everyone was just all the factories were just full of women and women were suddenly doing the jobs that men did probably slightly better yes maybe (laughs) (laughs) so and what's lovely is that it's um when all the women come in there's a massive variety of women um Mm -hmm. in in age as well so you've got younger ones and and you know like properly old he loves a, like an old woman face, Miyazaki does. <laughs> They've always got like one really massive mole and this witchy hook nose. Um, and they're all like delighted to be working for him as well. Like they're really excited about it um, and enthusiastic. And they really get like, there's a scene where you kind of like pull back to the workshop and you just see all of them just getting on with stuff, planing like wood edges and beating metal panels. Um, and then you've got Theo kind of wandering through the middle of it, pointing out things to do. So she's really taking control. Um, and it is, it's, they're all really happy and capable. It's even like there's a scene where they're all sitting around the dinner table just before they start work. And he's like, he says, we're not making pancakes here. Like, yeah. are they going to be up to the job? Because he's a bit of a bastard. Um, yeah. And also uh, when they, when they're doing their little prayer before they eat, Part of the prayer is um, forgive us for using women's hands to make this yeah. plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. To which Theo kind of like winks at him, like you know, yeah. of course it's going to be great. But yeah, yeah I, I, I like that they they're kind of tongue in cheek apologising for the fact that they're all ladies, but they know their stuff, and yeah. what they come out with is an amazing plane that you know that does the trick and is you know super fast and. Um, and then at the same time, you've got, like, you have a little scene where he goes to the cinema for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the middle of when they're working, he decides to the movies, I'm bored, I have nothing to do. Yeah, and he meets up with his, a friend of his who has joined the fascist and is part of the Air Force and kind of says to him, oh, you should really come back to the, to the Air Force with me. And, you know, because the only people who are allowed to fly at the moment are people who are either fighting or uh, you know like being hired to fly planes for transport or whatever and then um and that's when he says um that he'd rather be a what does he say he'd rather be a pig than a fascist yeah um and yeah and then after that 
it it then becomes this thing where they're basically spying on him because but they're also helping him. Yeah, well, um, so his friend is helping him, but they are they they they've accused him of a load of crimes. Which, to begin with, are like, oh, you know, like him being against the regime and, you know, like... Oh, yeah, and then pornography, which yeah, I was really confused by. Yeah, he's got war- warrants against him for pornography and being a lazy pig as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit, it is a, like, yeah, it's almost like they've just, they've made him a demon for, like, because they want to and not because he's done anything particularly wrong. Well, um, I think that's another sort of, issue that he's trying to touch upon and it's like post-war disenfranchisement the idea of like soldiers coming out of war and being you know having sort of ptsd and being really traumatized and don't want to be a part of this structure anymore so essentially the society gives up on them and looks at them as something to try and get rid of because they don't fit anymore yeah and he's turns to like criminal activities really where he's like now this kind of mercenary who will kill people i mean he doesn't kill people but it's implied that Mm -hmm. he shoots people out the sky and you know he's definitely outside of the authorities he's on the wrong side of the law so then there there's uh moments where he's basically being followed by these air force people who i assume just want to throw him into prison um so he hops into his plane um, to escape and then Theo says she's going with him and lo and behold she's made herself like a little seat at the front of the plane which is <laughs> really cool um, looks super uncomfortable as well mm-hmm. um, she's and sitting she, on a gun a big yeah, like machine she, gun exactly. and she doesn't she really wants to go and he doesn't want to take her absolutely mm-hmm. doesn't but um, I love her rebuttals in this they're it's, so it's great. great she she's very much like well you, you know it's it just makes common sense she, she's not begging him. She's not saying, oh, you know, please, I really want to go. I'm excited about it. She's saying, your plane isn't going to work properly if you don't have someone to repair it on site. And I know how this plane works. I've already made a space. And eventually he kind of like gets worn down. At some point, I think they say, well, at least you don't have to take grandma with you. And grandma looks very mm-hmm. excited. <laughs> like she might yeah, she's like, oh, I can go. <laughs> And he does, and he does this in the comic as well. He takes one of his guns out in order to accommodate her lady's hips. <laughs> yeah, her, her bum. Because <laughs> her bum is too big for two yeah. guns and her bum to fit in the front of the plane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then they fly off uh, with a little bit of a bumpy start. Oh, uh, the line though, sorry, when they're leaving, she's like, well, pretend I'm your hostage so they yeah. won't shoot you down. And then as they're flying off, all the old ladies are like, kidnappers, pay us money <laughs> just to cover their tracks. And it's a lovely scene as well because they say it really joyfully. Yeah. <laughs> kidnappers, woo! <laughs> so like they're still, and also there's a really nice bit where there's the three old ladies peeking out of the bottom of the window at the spies across the road. And they're all just yeah. like giggling. It's, it's a real fun kind of atmosphere in the workshop, considering mm-hmm. what's going on. You know, like fascists yeah. are coming to take them away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and then it, it kind of like goes into this, uh, he, you know, fly arounds and, and you see how lovely the plane is. And all of the flying shots in this film are beautiful. Like they, they'll, he'll fly over like an island and you'll just like see it all unroll underneath him with like sheep and coastline and ocean. 
Um, and it's you can there's a real love of flying that kind of comes across in it. Also, all the moments. This film is filled with so many moments of silence, which yeah. I think is so unique and beautiful. And yeah. just Ghibli knows when not to talk and yes, just let absolutely. you be mesmerized by the landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a real like sense of wonder to it, and um, and you know, like not having crashing music over the top of it. Soundtrack again yeah. is oh. beautiful. In yeah, bellissimo. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just... <laughs> absolutely lovely and set in the scene, and and you do kind of feel like you're up there with them. And her sense of wonder is definitely us, because although she's clearly done a lot of work with planes. She comes across as very naive in how flying actually works when you're up there. Um, so it is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's beautiful to watch and, and kind of like see him do what he does best, which is fly, because he certainly doesn't talk to ladies best or anyone, actually. Yeah. Super <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but also there's this sense with him, he says to her, you're a respectable woman and you're not married as a reason yeah. for her not to go with him. So there's still this uh, kind of sense of traditional women aren't supposed to be seen in this way, but he kind of just, he still gives into it. Um, but he is, it's almost like he feels he needs to say these things. Like yeah, this is how the status quo is. And for someone who stands mm -hmm. outside of that in everything else, for him to keep going back to that traditional side of things is, is quite interesting. It's yeah. a bit of a weird one, really. Um, but he, then when they arrive back in his little hidey hole, oh, we do have a little scene in between with G Gina um, saying that she waits for him. Well, she's waiting yeah. for him to come and tell her that he loves her, um, which he has no clue about. <laughs> just like, That's it. She's just yeah. sitting there looking beautiful. Curtis turns up and he's like, you know, I must marry you immediately. Come away. Oh yeah, and he wants to. He's going to go to Hollywood to he's become an actor. Yeah, come with me to Hollywood, and I'll be successful. And he's trying to woo her, and she's she's just not interested because she's waiting for Porco. And she outright says, "I sit here and I wait for him to come and tell me that he loves me." Um, and obviously, Curtis is quite annoyed by that. Um, but I mean, it's a nice. It's she. She's very much the romantic heroine in that moment. She's in a white flowy. Mm -hmm dress and a big yeah. hat she's peering off into the distance so yeah you have that kind of side where she is and she's very nicely made up and then you flip over to Theo who's just like rough and tumble just like getting stuff done at the point where they turn up at his hideout and they get down to the beach and she's just like astounded by how lovely it is and stuff and then all of a sudden bowling out of a very small tent <laughs> yeah, it's very like the clown car thing. Yeah, come about like 20 of these uh, sky pirates uh, with their bustling, with their bushy moustaches and shouts and stuff. And they they basically try and, well, they're going to kill him. And they were going to kind of like, the whole idea is that, you know, they want to punish him for uh, messing with them earlier on and for all the messing that he's done. Um and Theo just completely takes charge. Uh, and it's lovely to watch, actually, because she tells them off like she's their mum. She's <laughs> just like, you all smell and you're being ridiculous. And, you know, like, you're, you're basically... Oh, my God, it's Wendy and the Lost Boys. <laughs> it is. It really That's is. That's what it is. Yeah. Because oh, I... they've had, like, no... 
No, they, they, there are no other female figures in their like. There isn't a female sky pirate. Tina, I suppose. Yeah, only. but but really, and she's like some kind of like shining, like oh, they're not actually yeah. not a part of them. She's not even a real person to them, is she? She's a face, and they're all in love with her without even knowing her. Um, whereas Bo just like she basically just says, "What on earth are you doing?" you bunch of filthy men and they kind of it just like stops them in their tracks um and he immediately from going and saying that you know she's she's a woman and she's her work won't be as good and stuff when he was in the factory suddenly says to them that he's you know she's the, one of the best engineers and she built his plane and he's suddenly talking her up which is a complete 180 to the to the point where Theo's like what <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, I am. Um, and then she does this little speech where she says that um, seaplane pilots uh, have their heart, their hearts are washed clean by the sea and the sky. Oh my I God, know. I love it. Um, and the most important thing to them um, isn't money or like victory, it's honour. And that is the way that she persuades them from basically not being the bastards that they want to be. She diffuses them and it's great. So they all immediately fall in love with her because that's how these men work, apparently. Um, <laughs> and then Curtis appears like... <laughs> oh, my God. Spider-Man. <laughs> well, I was thinking Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. Like, because there's... Yeah. The... yeah, there's like a narrow little crevice between the rocks in this little yeah. bay. Because there's no way to get into the bay, you think, yeah. apart from flying in, because it's uh, just water and then like a little horseshoe of rock, really. But then, yeah, suddenly there's this little crevice and he's climbing down it with one hand on either side and one foot on either side. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very, it is typical like Hollywood superhero kind of to the rescue kind of stance. And he's shouting from up there, you know, like he's coming to rescue her or whatever. Um, it's very bizarre because <laughs> he's he's a real caricature. I don't think at the start he seemed to have a little bit more um, about him, but yeah, he definitely comes across as proper Hollywood. And he gets to the bottom, and he basically they come up with this thing where Paul K. Rosso now needs to kind of like fight for the honor of the Sky Pirates, and he's gonna because he lost and he shamed them all. And this American came over and made them all look bad. Um, and then they decide that there'll be, the prizes will be, he, um, Curtis will pay for all of the bills that, you know, it took to make the lovely plane that Porco Rosso has, which is a lot of money as it piled up earlier on. And there was a lot of chat in the repair room about how much stuff would cost. And Porco Rosso just kept saying, just go for it, whatever, I'll, I'll pay it all back. So Curtis would cover those bills. Um, and if uh, Curtis wins, he gets to marry Theo. I know, because he keeps proposing to women randomly. Yeah, exactly, because they fall in love every five seconds. Um, yeah. And Theo is okay with this only because she is so confident that he won't win. That definitely comes across, because she's just like, yeah, all right then, that's fine. I'll do it straight away. Um, and then after they've all gone... They um they shake hands like proper like proper respectful kind of like partners in crime Theo and and mm -hmm. Porco do, and um 
yeah and then she she suddenly admits that she had she was terrified the whole time her legs were all wobbly and it's it's so she becomes the complete opposite of him where he's holding his emotions in all the time and he never talks about what he's feeling and she just basically says that was really scary wasn't it I can't believe yeah. I got through it but I did and then she takes her clothes off and runs into the water and he mm-hmm. he turns his back to kind of give her her, her modesty which is nice as well, because considering he's supposed to be pervy old pornographic pig man. He's like 30 years older than her. I yeah, think. exactly. And she definitely comes, I mean, she's, what, she's 17, isn't 17, she? 17, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is, it's a nice moment because he clearly, he starts to value her at that moment in a way that I don't yeah. think he did before. Like, they spent time together on the plane and he's seen mm-hmm. her see the world the way he does. So they've already bonded in that way. But he also sees she isn't just smart with engines, but she can deal with people in a way that he cannot. He's so yeah. bad at dealing with people that he has no friends. Whereas she just turned on the charm like that. And all of a sudden they were all in love with her when, you know, a few seconds earlier, they wanted to smash her plane up. So he, I guess, sees the power in in connecting with people that yeah. he's been avoiding for ever since he, he became a pig man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's it is it's a really nice scene but also it just makes you super uncomfortable thinking is she really gonna marry him like if they lose coming at it from you know like a today point she would she would figure out how to get out of it I yeah believe. exactly <laughs> and i love as well so she's in the water and this happens too in the comics and she goes oh we should have padded the bills so that we had yeah. some money left over <laughs> <laughs> and he was like yeah and then, and and I think in that as well, he they that shows like a basis of proper friendship with him. Mm-hmm. Like they're having a laugh together, and she sees that he's she's maybe just as sneaky as he is, but just in a different way. And then we have this lovely kind of moment where she's half asleep, all cozied up. Oh yeah, in the cave. Like he's counting bullets out for the next for the battle and the next day. And then she looks up and she's half awake and she sees him as a person, uh, just for a second. And as soon as he realizes he's back as a pig again, and she doesn't quite know if she's seen it or not. Um, I don't think so, that, I don't think they're implying that like the spell was broken. Uh, I just yeah. I, I mean it's, it's well. I I did there's what a specific note about the scene, and this yeah. is a note of why not to watch the dub version, and it makes me really upset because it's like they're rewriting his script. Okay, as well as how he how poker rose is portrayed which is i think why maybe if you're watching the dub version you're not going to like it as much so when she because she asks him in that scene why are you a pig or yeah. how did you become yeah, a pig yeah. and his response because she this is like after she's seen his real face or she thinks yeah. she has and uh, he in the subtitled version that we watched it says it's a long story and he kind yeah of long story her. Yeah, exactly yeah. And then in the English version, I watched, and he says, all middle-aged men are pigs. <gasps> no, that's so different. Completely wow. different. And that implies so many different things as well. Like He does. So, I mean, just on the basis of that and other things, I can... Ugh, you don't rewrite. I mean... Make? That makes that scene so different. It yeah. really does. Because in the in the like subtitle version, he doesn't want her 
to know how much pain he's in. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's very clear that it's a very kind of melancholy moment where he's having quiet to himself and in his own quiet, he does become the person that he was before. And she, and he's almost like trusting her and, you know, mm-hmm. being, because he thinks she's asleep, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. But also, you know, I, it's it's a really nice, vulnerable moment. And, and that's, I think he's letting himself be vulnerable. Yeah, and that's exactly. why. And for them to turn around and dub it as, oh, middle-aged men of pigs is terrible. I just, and it, yeah, it makes him so much less likable, so much yeah. less broken. He's just like a bit of an ass. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's awful. Like it's I do really... with Ghibli stuff, like there's a scene in Spirited Away where they, like, they kind of like explain the story in a different way when she like she finds this this little gold seal in it and it changes the story because of what she says in the english version as opposed to the much gentler storytelling of the japanese one and i don't yeah. know why they do it uh, like it almost feels like do they think that english speaking audiences aren't as clever as the japanese ones or won't pick up on the nuances because it's it's just like it's such a shame when you spend all that time. So bizarre. But also, then if you've if you've watched the whole thing with Michael Keaton as Porco Rosso, I don't think you'd like him much anyway. No, because every That's bit I watch yeah. with him, he's just so gruff. Like it's it, just yeah. too ag- like aggressive. I guess there's a there's a bit I saw where he's on the phone to Gina and he's Michael Keaton. And he yeah. says, like, he, he just, like, dismisses her or something. And then she goes, you jerk. <laughs> I don't think she says that in the Japanese, though. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She but, doesn't. I mean, that's what I mean. They just exactly. change. Yeah. And how can, it's sort of like you can't trust the storytelling then. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not the story. Yeah, because it, it, the storytelling is it. He wrote, the, he wrote that translation for yeah. the dub. I don't think, yeah. I don't know who wrote it. It could have been. Miyazaki, but I doubt it. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think he would. And also, Miyazaki <laughs> does speak some English, so I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, but... yeah but then, like, you know, like, I think they clearly make a decision based on, like, who, also who they pick to do the voices and stuff makes a difference yeah. to who the character ends up being, Um, which is why I will always watch the original language with subtitles, because it just, that's as close as you're going to get. Unless yeah. you actually learn Japanese and, you know, and then you're still translating it yourself anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's such a shame when that happens because, because it is for me, that's like a, because this moment where he he's a, a man for a tiny amount, yeah. then she asks him to tell her a story and mm-hmm. then it breaks your heart. And this is where you kind of like oh my God. fall in love with him, I think. It just, just uh, sends like chills. I just yeah. had chills. So the scene after this, basically the story that he tells her um, is the story of of when um, he was flying with Gina's husband, I'm assuming first husband, maybe? The one Mm -hmm. who they were talking about losing, you know, back in the day. And um, so they're old wooden planes and they are beautifully drawn. Um, And they're all flying over um, in in a battle, in a proper like dogfight. So they've got all of the um, enemy symbols on the sides and there are explosions, planes kind of falling out of the air. Um, 
Gina's, he says that Gina and her husband were only married two days before that battle um, and that they couldn't get leave. So they had to go. So or you're already, your heart is breaking for Gina already. She literally just got married. This guy as well, he's, you know, doesn't get to enjoy being a husband. He goes straight to war. Um, and it ends up that the um, everyone dies, basically. All the planes get shot down. His plane is in distress. He, fall, he kind of like falls unconscious and his plane starts flying itself. And then in the scene, it comes up to the clouds and com comes through this clouds. It's so beautifully done. <laughs> The, the clouds kind of almost like, it's almost like he's coming up out of water. The clouds kind of drip off the sides of his plane and he comes up and it's just a white plane as far as the eye can see. Um, really blue sky. And then he describes it as a contrail of like uh, an airplane just above him. And then all of the planes that have been knocked down rise up around him and he sees the other pilots and he sees his friend is one of them. And then they all go off and join this contrail, um, which as you get, I mean, it's implied that it's what happens to all the people who've died in planes. And there are planes from loads of different countries. There's all kinds. And it's the music is lovely. It's a very quiet scene. Um, and it's, yeah, it's beautiful and it's tragic because oh. the amount of planes that are there um, and that, you know, it really is just, it's very affecting. And you can see that that's the moment that kind of broke him when he's the only one out of all of those people who, who you know, comes back down and lands. Um, and that's where the pig came from. And yeah, it, it's definitely one of those scenes that you just, it's an unforgettable one. You yeah. feel like you've seen like a little bit of, of somebody's soul, I think. Yeah, and seeing his face as his friends are all leaving yeah. him behind. Yeah, as a human as well, his face as a yeah. as a person. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it is really affecting. And I think, yeah, it's, he, he, I mean, he's not telling Fia the story. She's kind of supposed to be asleep or going to sleep. But um, yeah, it's his own kind of remembering of what happened. And that's definitely the turning point for him where he lost his, his faith in, like humanity, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and like you say, that survivor's guilt is that's definitely what's going on there in terms of being a pig. Uh and and all that grief he's got that he's just like all his friends. Away. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so really you know this is based off of something else. Yeah. So it's a roll doll film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, short short story that he yeah, wrote. Yeah, 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 short story. Uh which uh, is called I wrote it. They they shall not, they shall grow, not old. grow old. Yeah, and that's a, about fighter pilots and I'm definitely going to track that down and, and read no, it. No, I want to read it. Uh, Cuz yeah. I I read the synopsis of it and it's pretty much that scene is exact in yeah. the short story. And then I I like the shade though. Misaki said he loves all stories about pilots and planes, but he doesn't care much for his children's stories. <laughs> okay, making choices. Yep. <laughs> he's a very strange man. But I like how he's such a, like, clearly he's, like, for someone who's, like, a workaholic, he still, yeah. like, consumes a lot. Like, yeah. he's reading, watching TV, Absolutely. the news. Yeah. What does he have time for all this? 
I know. I, I mean, that's that's how storytellers work, though. Great storytellers, constantly consuming, constantly like learning more stories, I suppose. I think the yeah. more you learn about people, the better you are at stories as well. So and it's funny because he's not great with people. If you yeah. watch like uh, that documentary, which I can never remember the name of. Uh, yeah, where they follow him around for like uh, a certain amount of time when he's making, I think it's Ponyo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he has these moments where he's just like, Do you know what? I can't be around people anymore. <laughs> Go away, and you know, goes off and he smokes his cigarettes, and he's very just like I, you know, people annoy me. I can't concentrate. I don't. Everything makes him mad. He's very grouchy. Yeah. And um, and then you know he comes back and he's great and he's working his magic with people and you know he really inspires people at the same time. It's a real like there's a real disparity between both sides. Of he him. is an ag- amalgamation of Theo and Pocoroso. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a this is a biographical film about <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> I think every film is a biographical film about him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely like, and he's unapologetic when he wants to get away. That's what comes across. And that is very Porco Rosso. He's just like, I'm just doing this because I need to do it. And I didn't care what anyone else thinks. But but yeah, you know, he's still at the heart of it. Porco Rosso still wants to be the good guy. You know, he's not a sky pirate. He's the person who brings the sky pirates down. He saves the... 15 kids who look like Ponyo. You know, he wants to do the right thing. So at the heart of things, he's still a good guy, but he's the he's the worst good guy. <laughs> he doesn't want to be friends with you, but he wants yeah. you to be all right. You know, he goes he goes a long way to saying he doesn't want to ruin Fio's reputation by being alone with her, but he still wants to look after her. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but at the same time, he'll he'll tell her that she's a girl and she probably can't do things as well there's such a conflict getting on in there um and then we get to a point where they go and <laughs> she uh, oh also she asks him if um she should kiss him to break the curse yeah like a, uh and a he frog or something exactly like a frog prince um, oh wait by the way beauty and the beast came out the same year as this film oh interesting so i wonder i mean could that have influenced it? Maybe, you know. I don't know. I mean, it depends when they were both in production, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I thought Disney as well, like he would know about it. Yeah, possibly. He would have had a relationship with them. So. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it depends on, yeah, it really does depend on context. Because there's, there's so much going on in the world during like him making this as well. Yeah, the early 90s. Exactly. Yeah, um, you have the well, you had the Gulf War and Japan's involvement in that stuff. Yeah, was... exactly. Yeah. So, I, and also, I think she um, and she and Theo says after he says, you know, there's not going to be a kiss. <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah. He says maybe I'm not the right one. And kind oh, of yeah, save it, for, save it for someone yeah. special. I think. Yeah, exactly. He says, yeah, save it for someone special, and she says maybe I'm not the right one. So, I, you know, like kind of like hints that it might be Gina in there somewhere. Clearly she, she it's like a girlhood crush. <clears throat> yeah. Like everyone yeah. has them. It's like a authority figure, you know, when you're young, you're like, yeah, oh, so cool. she, I mean it's established that like um she's known about him and she her dad has her granddad's talked about him before. So he's a real hero to her generally. 
So yeah, yeah, she definitely has like a little girl crush. Um, but doesn't it doesn't make her silly, which is nice. Mm-hmm. There's a real affection between them, even though he's super grumpy with her. And I think <clears throat> that definitely comes across from him turning his back on her when she got into the water. Um, but also when they get to the contest, which is a massive crowd of people who are like, I think they describe them as like a lot of people who are like sky pirates, but then there's people from all, all different countries. There, there are flags from everywhere. Um, and then a few normal citizens as well, <laughs> like mixed in. Uh, and then they have like, they have these chairs where they have, they're going to put the prizes. And one is this big bag of money, which is going to be for paying the bills. And then the other prizes. So, and she, she walks up to the chair and sits down so confidently. She's just like, even though earlier on she said she was scared. So we've established that she's on the inside. She's probably pooing her pants on. She walks up to that chair and she sits down like, I, you know, this is, I'm not going to lose. We're not going to lose. I'm on the winning team here. Um, and it's not all like a big extravaganza. Uh, and then the fight begins. Um, Curtis, I, I didn't wind back to check, but he's now got a heart on the side of his plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he had that at the start. Or I remember if, that. I don't think he did, because I think I would have yeah. named him. But um, now it's like he's he's fighting for love. Not that he really loves her, because he barely knows her. <laughs> I was so transfixed when it was just... Because it's like pretty much silence just watching them yeah. flying. Yeah. And I was just mesmerized this, by it. This is the scene that in the comic he said, if I had, if I had yeah. animation, I could do this a lot better, but you need to use your imagination. So this is the one that he really wanted to do. Yeah. And he does it. And like you say, yeah, it's very quiet. Um, and it's not as... I like if you watch any of any kind of like war big battle it's just noise when you're especially when you're in a cinema it's just relentless Dolby surround sound every single side of you whereas this is like you say it's it's, it's quite gentle really um even like and Porco Rosso doesn't fire his guns um and they talk about the fact that he won't fire until he's absolutely sure that he can do the damage but not kill him so they mm-hmm. again they know that he's a good guy deep down. Um but, but also th- casual fighting in a plane. Yeah. I'd be like a little <laughs> more nervous about like you're in a plane and you're fighting. <laughs> and it's beautifully done as well in, in terms of like with a lot of battle scenes, I never I get bored watching them because yeah. it's just like noise, noise, stuff moving around really fast in front of your face. And in the end, I'm just, you know, like kind of distracted by something shiny because it's just too much. Whereas this was lovely. To, you watch them kind of like looping around each other and the crowd like in awe and then Theo kind of like shouting instructions, which he clearly can't hear because he's up in a plane mm-hmm. <laughs> very far away. Um, and then they get to a point where they're trying to shoot each other and neither of their guns work. So yeah. they start throwing bits of metal at each other. <laughs> And um and it yeah it just it becomes really silly. So from a point, I mean, it was quite silly to begin with, but you did kind of think, okay, maybe someone's going to die, or you know, it's going to be like quite a serious thing because they're very much like this has to end now. Um, and then all of a sudden they're throwing spanners, and it looks like like bits of cheese and things like that across each other in midair. Um, and then eventually they they come into land, 
get out of their planes and just start punching each other in the face. <laughs> Again, <laughs> dumb men. Like, hello. Absolutely. And that is that comes across in spade loads. It's just such yeah. a masculine, this is, if we can't shoot each other, this is how we're going to finish it. So they're getting more and more bruised. Their faces, their eyes are bulging. There's blood running down them. They've even got chairs in the water yeah. where they're like properly, you know, ding ding end of rounds one and then they go and sit down they've got wine being poured down their faces um and in the kind of like cut in between um we go across to gina who's super cool all of a sudden she's like some kind of like resistance spy so she's <laughs> so many cats there's three <laughs> so she's <clears throat> She's one, she's wearing a really cool like pantsuit. So she's looking like properly capable of just like, she's no longer like lounge singer or wispy dress from before. She's it's now very like, Casa, Casablanca, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, very. So she's, um, she's in this like kind of pantsuit and she's, she's writing down the code from this message and then decoding it to say that the, um, the Air Force are going to come and get them. They're on their way. And then when she's finished the message, she takes her headphones off, puts them down, and then the desk that she's listening to the radio folds up and then like goes into the secret cabinet thing where the bookshelves slide across. Like she's probably some definitely doing some shady espionage type stuff. So she's not just who they're kind of saying at the start, where she's just the lounge singer who runs a bar. <laughs> There's so many background cats. But she's, she's actually part of something, you know, with the Sky Pirates and, and everyone yeah. else. So she's part of this this um, this group of people who are obviously on the other side from these fascists who are taking yeah. over everything. Bit of a, bit of a rebellion yeah, going on. It's really nice because, it, you know, I, it's nice that it shows that she's got some kind of agency other than that she's a beautiful lady who can wrap men around her little finger. Um, and she hops in a plane and goes off to tell him. And uh, well, by the time she gets there, they've both punched each other so hard. <laughs> They're now under the water, out for the count. And whoever stands up first is the winner. Um, and then, they, yeah, there's a moment where she kind of like looks down and basically says to him, you know, this isn't over. Get up. <laughs> Get up, yeah. you idiot. <laughs> Uh, and he does. Hooray! He stands up um, and he's the winner. Theo flies over to him, gives him a big hug. And um, and yeah, then she's she gets a massive bag of money, which is really nice. So well, the good guys win, which is a nice end to the story um, for them. And then, yeah, he he then dismisses her. He's like, I'm done with you. Picks her up in a big bundle and drops her into Gina's plane and says right you're going with Gina now I'm done with you um oh and take take her back to the real world yeah take her back to the real world so I mean like he's done his job um and he doesn't want those ties again I mean even mm. so during the fight which I kind of didn't talk about actually uh Curtis tells Paul K. Rosso that Gina's in love with him and has yeah. been waiting he doesn't, he doesn't and he'd never twigged before yeah you're an idiot <laughs> So, and when he tells him, he, he, he goes completely red from head to foot. 
So he takes it in. It's clear that he takes it in. But um, then at the end, he doesn't end up, he doesn't, you know, dash over to her and give her a big smooch, which I thought might happen, actually. Me too. I was like, oh, I thought, you know, that's the way it was going to go. So he, yeah, instead he shovels uh, Theo into the boat, into the the aeroplane, the seaplane. Um, and then, yeah, he just kind of like tells them to go off. And and that's that. Um, but just before she goes, Theo um, leans over the side and gives him a, a big old smooch on the I boat. mean, not a big old smooch. It's like a pet. No. More, not... like more like a, um, uh, oh my God, I can't believe we won. This is brilliant kind of goodbye yeah. smooch. So it's not like a romantic. They weren't, yeah, no. they weren't making out. Yeah, it's not a romantic smooch. It's more like a when Bugs Bunny kisses someone. <laughs> you know, he just kind of grabs the face and goes, it's one of those. Um, <laughs> just like in sheer joy and thankfulness that he won. And she says it, yeah. you know, we, we won, we won. She's going off for the money. Um, and then, yeah, off they go. And then there's this like little scene where it's just Curtis and Porco and they're going back to their planes. And you, you can't see Porco's face but you get the impression that he doesn't look like a pig anymore because Curtis is kind of saying, let me see your face, man, let me see your face. And Porco's like, no, he's off, back to his plane. Um, and then, yeah, ends, they disappear, off they go. And then it's Theo in, um, as a narrator, saying that after that, um, everyone just kind of like got on with things and obviously the world turned to shit um, because like wars happened and people... They lost people. Um, she ended up keeping in touch with Gina and running the um, Piccolo. Piccolo, which is cool. And um, she still spends every summer with Gina, which is lovely. So they clearly formed a lovely bond. We do like, do we do like it when the strong girls band together? <laughs> yeah. Strong um, friendships rock. Yeah. And it's, it then says that Porco Rosso uh, was never seen again. He basically disappears, but I don't know if they're implying that the pig disappears mm-hmm. and the man then like became, he was just back yeah. to being a guy again, or if he just, yeah, he, he completely noped out. They don't say, and they leave it as a very um, open thing, which is quite nice actually. So there is no like big romantic ending or anything. You just see the cafe, full of people who look a little bit older, a little bit more beaten, um, but people kind of getting on with life. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a nice ending. And then in the credits, they have <clears throat> a lot of photos of photos, so they're like drawings that are yeah, old photos, um, of lots of different soldiers during the war and pilots and stuff, but they're all pigs, every mm-hmm. single one of them. So, and um, yeah, I mean, clearly that's just implying. <laughs> so yeah. my little thesis about the ending, and I think you're right to a certain degree. So that, I think the kiss from Theo, which is very like an innocent yeah. kiss for the most part, causes him to like let his guard down. But the only person who can see him let his guard down is Curtis. <laughs> and so when Donald says that, you know, let me look at your face. I think that's Porco kind of forgiving himself and turning back from being a pig. Mm-hmm. And that Porco has like finally let go of like all these very toxic yeah, you know, perspectives yeah. about himself, like his emotional un- 
unavailability, the self-loathing, and that, that's tied to the survivor's guilt, and yeah. which symbolically turned him into a pig, and then yeah. he becomes Marco again. And it's kind of an amazing conceit in the storytelling that it's Curtis who sees him yeah. as human for the first time, rather than like then Gina. Yeah, Gina or Theo. Yeah. Because Gina, like, obviously is trying to return him to be yeah. Marco again because she still loves him. And it's because he's, like, so stubborn yeah. to his the devotion of all his fallen brothers that yeah. he refuses to let go and love her. But I think this is all, like, the charm of the story because it's, it's kind of a low-stakes film for the most part, but it's still yeah. very nuanced. Yeah. So this idea of, like, survivor's guilt and post-war disenfranchisement and how we let our past define ourselves yeah. and and that even in the end Donald who's the villain has this sense of decency like they're yeah. still buddies by the end even after this epic battle but I also agree with you that I think it is that she's never seen she never sees Porco again is what Theo yeah. says but I think that and she also yeah. references the the bet that Gina made about waiting for him and yeah. she says our secret whether or not she won the bet. So I think Marco's there rather yeah, than Porco. I agree. Also, everyone gets a happy ending in this, even the bad guys. Oh, and Donald, he gets yeah. to be a star in Hollywood. Donald He's called the cowboy. A star in Hollywood, exactly. So, and no one dies, <clears throat> even yeah. though a load of people have clearly died earlier on. It, yeah, it the war. Does, yeah, everyone kind of survives and, and, and kind of thrives at the end of it. And there, I mean, there, like you say, there's. It's implied that possibly Marco does end up being himself, or but and that he kind of gets his happy ending. But it isn't a love story, which is nice. It's not like he, you know, it ends with with him getting the girl and she fixes everything. He still has that guilt and stuff to deal with, um, and he he always will. And you can't bring back the people you've lost, which is yeah. you know that's a she in in a way Gina can't bring back Marco because he's never going to be the same after no. what's happened to him you know uh, so that's but um but the fact that they they do all go on to to do other things and they get through the the war that's coming up is you know it, it, but it definitely overshadows the whole thing that worse things are coming even when they have their happy endings and even with with <clears throat> worse things are coming there's yeah. still a future and oh yeah. in in our starting point uh book there is a line uh one who's talking about Pocaroso that I underlined just talking oh yes so Hayao Miyazaki says even if the world's population reaches 10 billion we'll still have to go on living in a crush with everyone around us you know as age and things are happening so like while he's writing this so even in the crush of war, you still have to live. You still yeah. have to find a future. Um, and I think that the ending is, you know, they, they all have a future in some form or another. And it's Porco realizing there's still things to live for. And I yeah. think Theo is the one who helps him see that. Even if he's not like in love with her in that sense, but she shows him there's a future somewhere and you just yeah. have to, you need to live because he didn't really want to live while he no, was we uh, had a pig. He, I think he felt like he hadn't not well I mean he had Gina but I think he felt like he didn't deserve Gina he yeah. definitely felt like he had nothing to live for 
Um, and he, it was almost like he was atoning by all the stuff that he was doing, all the good deeds he was doing, even if it was for money. It definitely felt like he was like trying to make up for the fact that he was still there. But mm -hmm. Theo, Theo's like definitely, she's optimism against his pessimism. And, and her, the way that she, I mean, she works in a place that's basically just women doing things that, you know, like, and not what women are supposed to be doing really, really well. She's like the, the symbol of the future, Theo is, and he's definitely a relic of the past in his attitudes towards women and in the fact that, you know, that's where he's, he's learned about life. He's very broken and, you know, how you can't fix that. But he definitely has a sense, a more of a sense of optimism and hope at the end of this than he did going into the film. You know, you see him, the first time you see him, he's sat on a beach with a magazine on his face, um, being the self-indulgent, lazy person who may be- I want to be, I want to be that person right now. No, I want to be on the beach. I want to be on the beach. <laughs> Just listening to the radio, reading a magazine. I want to be self-indulgent. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah, he's living the dream, really. Is <laughs> <laughs> he happy? No. No, he's not. But yeah, I, it definitely, it's, it is a far, far more, like, melancholic and overshadowed piece than the comic. Because so much was happening at the time. Yeah. And, and also he had the space to kind of, like, flesh out the character. But he still did the comic it was yeah. still a every like frame or you know panel from the comic yeah. or manga was in the film Absolutely. and they were beautifully yeah. done yeah. really nicely done yeah and it, it was very but you could see i mean there's definitely a comic element to it mm -hmm. as well and and the comic is very it looks like a film in a lot of ways yeah. like a storyboard for a film there's that element to it. So, I, I mean, it just, it carried over really well. Um, and I think it's really interesting to have read the comic and then watch the film one after the other. Yeah. Because it's like watching something, yeah, expand from the seed of an idea to, to the whole world that it is. Um, and also the fact that it's set in, in a real place, in a real time, in mm -hmm. a historical context that we're all very aware of. Like we, yeah. you know, like we're a, a kind of when we were learning stuff in school, you definitely learned about World War One and World War Two and how they all started and that feeling. But also in today's kind of world, where fascism is definitely popping its ugly head up more and yeah. more, um, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting one to be watching now as well. Yeah. Um, and also in terms of of feminism and equality and women kind of finding their place in worlds where men wouldn't normally, I'm going to say, let them. <laughs> is, yeah. is history re repeating itself, maybe, as it always does, <laughs> history yet does we never it. learn? Exactly. But yeah, I, I mean, in terms of like feminism, it's a nice one to watch as well, because it is it, it's very black and white in that he's just, this is where women are supposed to be. And, it, it, and you know, in a very simplistic way, it says what a load of rubbish women can do. Like like in every Miyazaki film where he has a, is these strong female leads, it's very empowering to watch. And it's very empowering mm -hmm. to watch Theo do what she does so well and unapologetically be like, but I'm just good at this. 
<laughs> I can defend myself because when you were my age, you were doing exactly the same thing. How am I any different from you? They're not apologizing for it. Um, and she's never like, like silly and, you know, even when she, you feel like she's has this crush on him, it doesn't overwhelm her. She's not incapable of, of doing what she does, which is, you know, fix planes and do an amazing job of it. She, she can still function. <laughs> she doesn't collapse yeah. into a, you know, like a heap. Which weirdly, and Gina as well. I mean, she's like running this bar. She has her career. She's, you know, she's clearly in love with him, but she still like has a life. She was married three times. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and then you look at the the guys in it, and they're falling in love, and and they fall in love and do ridiculous things because of it. So you know, it's a real like they're punching each other's faces and throwing spanners at each other in midair because of this girl that you know, known for five minutes. So it's still got the strong female. Like I know a lot of people will say that old oh, Porco Rosso is the one that's got the guy as the main character, and he, although he is, Theo and Gina are very, very strong influences in this film, and and lovely yeah. to watch as well. I always, every time I watch any female character in in the Miyazaki film, I want to be them. I know they're just brilliant. They're just so cool, man. <laughs> And I think, like, superficially, and again, I worry about people watching the English dub version, you might not see that, how nuanced these characters are, yeah. and, like, and, but it is, there's, there's so many layers to this, yeah. just, and you, if you just think about it for a second, I don't, yeah, I got a lot out of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, I like the whole, the, the survivor's guilt thing, and how the feeling was after that First World War because it was such a time of people reassessing how they felt about life. And also, all, you know, like people, that, that rise of the whole thing of people thinking, okay, uh, maybe after all of that, where do we go from here? And some people taking the horrible route and some people, you know, wanting to make things better, but it was a real life-changing period. So to set a film in that kind of time, is is always going to be a very emotional and historical thing. And also, so he was born just at, at the end of World War II. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like he would have definitely grown up with seeing yeah. the effects yeah. on people around him from having to deal with, because World War II, the massacre was even worse. I mean, yeah. yeah. And like you say, with Japan getting involved in the Gulf as well, yeah. is that before yeah. then, they really just kept out of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's them stepping into like world conflicts as well. So yeah, things were changing where he was in mm-hmm. a big way. And and you know, if his dad's involved in making planes, that's gonna he's gonna be a big part of that of how it all works. Yeah. So yeah, and also I just love that he loves planes, and that comes across. That's so a much. little nerd. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm great. Really, like I, I I kind of couldn't. I feel like I couldn't care less about planes, but then when I watch <laughs> him do planes, I'm yeah. like, they're really, like, they're amazing. So cool. So cool. Like, people are flying in the air. Yeah. <laughs> like a bird. How does that work? How do you make that happen? <laughs> I just want more movies with sky pirates, please. Yeah. Like, yeah, female sky pirates next, please. Yeah. Um, oh, also, so, and then... Planned sequel where Porco goes to the oh, Spanish yes. Civil War yes. to fly planes for the Republicans. 
Yeah, I mean, I doubt it's going to happen. I doubt. Why are you so old? Can't we just like, as a like collective, make sure that he lives to like two hundred or something? I know. I like it'd be nice if we could just like clone him, and then we could have a few of him doing different films because there's so many on his list. Yeah, yeah. And he 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 doesn't have a lot of back. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of life left, unfortunately. And he smokes. Stop smoking. Oh, God, yes, he's a big smoker. (laughs) Every time he lit a cigarette in that documentary, I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, he's 80. I know, I know. And I think he said he can only do one minute of animation per month now. He's retiring and then coming back again. So maybe he'll just, like, start Benjamin Buttoning. Benjamin Button yeah. just like start going backwards. He, he just needs to he needs to work with Goro a little bit more. I know they have a tense relationship. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, help him, help Goro. He clearly wants to be an animator, so yeah, pass some stuff on immediately. But also, like, and I think we're going to come to this issue further as we go on. We have to recognize the fact that Studio Ghibli isn't just Hayao Miyazaki. There are like, other amazing exactly. films yeah. from other directors. Yeah, which are lovely which are really yeah. lovely. So it's, it is happening. But the thing with <clears throat> Miyazaki is he's just such a legend. I know. The way that he tells stories, and it's just the little details, like mm-hmm. that plane coming up through the clouds and the way the clouds kind of came off it, that it, they're just lovely. Even right at the start when he comes into, like, I think they come into the bay on the little plane and two fish get out of the way while the, like, the foot of the plane kind of comes in. And it's just, like, those little details, it just, his films just seem so alive. Like, yeah. you feel like you could just, like, wander into it and it would be a real world with smells and sounds and tastes. They're just, it's beautiful storytelling. And I definitely think there is, like, <laughs> a legacy of, you know, there are waves of animators coming yeah. out of having grown up with his films. And I think there are better films because of that. So I definitely can, I see animated films that you you know this person loved his films and they're better better storytellers because of that. So I wrote a thing down. So I noticed that on the engine that they put in the plane in Porco Rosso. I saw that. It said Ghibli on the the plane engine. (laughs) So I was like, all right then. Did they just like put that there like, I don't know, because it was the name? So then I, I thought, okay, so I'm going to look up what Ghibli, why Studio Ghibli is called Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently, and also I'm now saying Ghibli. I was saying Ghibli before. Oh, okay. <laughs> no idea how to say it. So I looked yeah. it up. So apparently Miyazaki chose it from the Italian noun um, Ghibli, which is based on that Libyan Arabic name for hot desert wind. Okay. Because... There's good reason for it, um, because uh, his animated animated films were going to blow a um, blow a new air through the anime industry. Okay, so which they have done, right? Yeah, they absolutely have done. Um, and but it also refers to an Italian aircraft. Of course, uh, it does. It's called the Capriano uh, CA three hundred seven, which was nicknamed. Um, Ghibli so okay. yeah and they but they do pronounce it well they actually pronounce it Jubilee I can't I can't do an, a Japanese accent so I'm not even gonna try 
Um, but I think I I I thought I well that, but also I did read that engine is based off of like a Fiat something, like not the right name for that engine. Yeah, I I mean, there's basically there's aeroplanes in that name. <laughs> yeah. He's just an air nut. Yeah, but also, yeah, the blowing blowing a new wind through the anime industry is lovely because it is yeah. entirely what he did. He did. Um, yeah, and the reason and still that, is the reason that most Western people who don't speak Japanese say Ghibli is because it sounds really stupid if we try and say it. Ghibli as Ghibli, yeah. Ghibli, Ghibli is that? Literally, I've checked in many places. So, people in like the Japanese way of saying it. It would be like jib early, but fast. Jibberly. Yeah, jibberly. Yeah. If we say jibberly in like a context of like saying it over and over during the podcast, yeah. for example, it sounds really silly. <laughs> well, it sounds like I'm saying jubilee, like yeah, the Queen exactly. Jubilee yeah. or something. But yeah, I, I just, I love the, the fact that it all came down to planes in the end. Yeah. <laughs> but also an Italian plane. So Porco yeah. Rosso was, you know, definitely at the heart of things, was a big part of where where Ghibli ended up being Ghibli. I think it is now one of my favourite Ghibli, Ghibli hey. films. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. I was really blown away. <laughs> By the new wind. From the new the wind of animation from the 90s. Um, I'm now definitely going to watch it in the French version too, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's a beautiful film, and I again, like I said, um, right at the start, when I first watched it, I think I just I wasn't maybe maybe old enough yeah. to actually understand what was going on there. But also, it's so gentle compared to like stuff like where bigger things happen, like yeah. Mononoke, where you know, like there's a a lot going on and there's big forest creatures crashing through things that um it's 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 a lot more human than the rest of his things and because it's set in normal a normal place at a normal time it yeah. felt less magical to me i think maybe so, that's why it was less attractive so he did say that and i'm sure you saw this as well that that the car- the movie was meant for tired middle-aged men whose brain cells have turned to tofu. Yeah. It, it is dynamic, but not destructive. It's abound with love, but needs no luck. It is fun and um- upbeat, but not an over-the-top party. Yeah. I like the tofu brains. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely have tofu brains many days. So. <laughs> Certainly now. But yeah, I um, it's, it's a lovely film. And also he, um, he didn't have a script when he made it until very late in the day. Yeah. So I think that's quite nice as well. So I, the story, I think, probably came together a lot later in terms yeah. of the words they used. I Go can't ahead. imagine making a film where you don't have the words. You just have the story. It's quite an amazing way of doing things. But that's how yeah. he works. He will, like with Ponyo, he, he just, he drew, he had a picture of this girl running on the water and that's where his starting point is i mean that's amazing what a way to tell stories he has yeah very cool but yeah middle-aged men with tofu brains probably enjoyed it very much but not in the same way we did no interestingly but it just you really walk away with the idea that you know no matter how messy life gets like right now you still have to live you gotta figure out how to live yeah and move on from from very dark things 
Yeah. And I think that it's kind of an important message for now, really, yeah. as well. We're kind of going through that. So Yeah. There's a real like like we said, there's a real um message of of hope and optimism despite dark times mm-hmm. in Porco Rosso. So yeah. totally worth watching immediately if you haven't seen it in a while. Yes. Everyone who's listening, if you've gotten to the two hours, uh watch immediately. No dubbing. No dubbing. If I know you, you are no longer my friend. If I find <laughs> out that you've watched this film with dubbing, I will be so upset. And also it's on Netflix at the moment, so yes. very accessible. Um mm-hmm. and the comic can be found online in lots of places. So yes. I recommend that as well. And it's free. It's free. Well, you just need a Netflix subscription. Exactly. And I'm sure, or you have a friend, you can borrow their Netflix and watch it. There you go. Perfect. So. <laughs>